Heavenly Father, I just pray for you to speak in this room. Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide us and that you would direct us. God, we've been on this journey the last six weeks just looking at your scripture, trying to understand it better, trying to, trying to learn how to love your word and learn your word and live your word. And God, I pray that, that you would uh, take what we've learned over the last few weeks and, and integrate those into our lives and that we would want to be people of your word and that we would live with your scripture guiding us in, in every step of the way. So Lord, as we uh, wrap this series up today, Father, I pray that it's not just a series that we go through. And then we say we've done that. Lord, I pray that, that what we've learned, we implement into our daily living. So, Father, I pray that you would do that and that you would speak in this room right now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Just pick up your Bible. If it's on a tablet, open that up. Or on a device or whatever, smartphone, open up your Bible app. And let's do like we've been doing for the last several weeks as we walk through this series. Uh, just repeating a, a commitment of Scripture. And give it your best gusto, as this will be the last time that we'll do this uh, for this series at least. Ready? This is God's Word. Okay, you all got to wake up. It's, it's like after 11 o'clock, almost 12. Come on now. This is God's Word. A lamp to my feet. A light to my path. Its words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against Him. I will not just listen to these words. I will put them into practice. Are you willing and are you really ready to do that? Are you doing that? We've been on this journey the last six weeks. Today we wrap it up talking about God's Word, the Bible, with three main goals. The goal that you would love the Word and realize this is God our Father who has sent us this message and that we would want to love the Word, because it's His Word being communicated to us. A goal that we would learn the Word, that we would have a heart and a desire to say, I want to open God's Word, I want to learn it, I want to try to understand it, and that we would live the Word. That we don't just love it and we just learn it, but that we actually apply it to our lives and we put it into practice. Today, I want to wrap up this series and I want to talk about how to help you keep on keeping on. How do we keep moving forward in this? How do I maintain a heart for God's Word? How do I keep on continuing in the skills and the habits and maybe some of the disciplines I've developed or I've investigated, I've been looking at? How do I keep doing those? And so this week I want us to look at how do you maintain a heart for God's Word? How do you integrate God's Word into every aspect of your life? How do you integrate God's Word in every aspect? Now, the word integrate, you know, you know what integration is? It's the opposite of segregation, right? What is segregation? Segregation is when we divide things up. Like you have a whole pine divided up. If you look at your life and you say, well, my life is a pine. It's made up of different things. And if we segregate off our life, what we mean is that uh, I take a piece of pie. My, my personal life is one thing. And my work life is another thing. And my business life is another thing. And my school life is another thing. And my home life is another thing. And my sex life is one thing. And my social life is one thing. You segment off your life into different segments. That's called a life of segregation. You don't have an integrated life. You don't have an integrated life because the word is there. You don't have integrity or you lack integrity. 
Integrity comes in that same word. To have integrity means to live your life as an integrated life or as a whole life. That it's not a whole bunch of different parts, it's all one. That, that you don't act one way with this group of people and another way with this group of people. That you don't behave one way with your work friends and then when you get around with your church family, I behave another way. Or you don't behave one way on your way here to church in the car and then when you get in the front door, you put your smile on and you behave another way. An integrated life is a whole life that what you see on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, they all match. To act the same way in all areas of life is a life of integrity. That's my desire for us as a church. That's my desire for you as a, as a man or a woman. I want you to become a man of the Word. I, I want you to be a woman of, of the Word that you live a life of integrity. How does it happen? It doesn't happen unless you start with a desire to say that's the kind of life I want. If you don't have the desire, it's not going to happen. And that's what David talks about in Psalm 119, verse 20. He says, what I want most of all, in other words, what I want to be the number one priority in my life, what I want most of all, and at all times, that means that's an integrated life, not just here and not just there, at all times is to honor your laws. You see what David says? What I want most of all and at all times is to honor your laws. In other words, Monday, Sunday through Saturday, the entire week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, I want to have a life of integrity, an integrated life that as I understand the Word of God, it influences and guides and directs, and that is my foundation for living. So I want to show you how to do that today. I want to show you how to do that in four simple ways. Now, some of this you're going to say, well, we've heard this already. Yeah, it's kind of a review. This is the tie-up message. This is we're going to wrap it all together, and now move on into Christmas season. So how do we do that? One is I must build on it. In other words, the Bible, God's Word must be my foundation for life. Whatever is the foundation will determine how big the structure is you put on top of it. And so if you build a good, solid foundation, and you build your life upon the Bible, God will be able to do great things in our lives. Matthew 7 talks about this. Matthew 7, 24, the very famous Sermon on the Mount towards the end. What did Jesus say? Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, remember, not just learn it, but actually live it. Everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What's being said here? He's saying if you build your, your life upon the rock of truth, truth never changes. Truth never changes. Opinion changes. You understand that, and you know that. Your opinion changes. My opinion changes. I was watching some football stuff yesterday, and they're making all their projections, and one guy said, well, I think that Florida's going to win. He said, wait a minute, a little bit ago, you said Alabama's going to win. Their opinion changed within the hour as they're just talking about the game. Opinions change all the time, but truth stays the same. Truth lasts. If it was true a thousand years ago, it's still true today, and it'll be true a thousand years from now. When the rogue winds of life come, when the challenges of life come, when the trials come, when the hardship comes, when difficulties come, when temptation comes, if you're standing upon the Word of God, you'll be able to stand what comes your way. That's what Jesus' call is. What are you standing upon? What are you building your life over? On the other hand, the shifting sand is opinions or whatever happens to be popular is what I go to or what I lean towards. You need to make a commitment. 
And my goal is that you would make a commitment after going through this series and going through today, you would make a commitment that says something like this, God, I'm going to build my life on this book. God, I'm going to build my life upon Your words. Now, God, I, I don't always understand it. Anybody else in that boat? You guys raise your hand. Do you agree with me? You don't always understand it? I don't always understand it. Sometimes I'm confused. I've got to try to figure it out. You may even say, God, I, I'm going to build my life on this book. I don't understand it. And God, I don't even always like it. Because truth be told, there's times when I read this, I'm like, God, why'd you put that in there? God, I don't exactly like what you're telling me right now, and you want me to live that way, but God, it's more fun to live this other way. And so, God, I, I want to build my life on this book. I don't always understand it. I don't always like it. Sometimes I don't agree with it. But God, because you said it and because you are truth, I'm willing to do it. And I'm willing to live it. That's the call for those who say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. That this is our foundation we build upon. We don't build upon shifting sands. We build upon a firm foundation. Now, most people build their lives on sh shifting foundations. Most people build their lives in, on things that fall apart. Let me give you four common foundations that you do not want to build your life upon. One is popular culture. Need I say more? You don't want to build your life upon popular culture. Some people build their life upon popular culture because they think, I just want to do what everybody else is doing. And if everybody else is going that way, I'm going that way. Oh no, everybody else is going that way, I'm going that way. The problem is that changes about as much as the wind changes. And that gives you no foundation. That is a foundation that is being built upon sand. What is popular today will not be popular tomorrow. If you have teenager kid, teenagers in your home, you understand that when it comes to your clothing. When you put your clothing on, you're pulling out shirts from 20 years ago. You're like, yeah, that's not cool anymore. Because times change. Things change all the time. There's another one. It's called tradition. An unreliable foundation. A lot of people build their lives on tradition. In other words, we've always done it that way, so why don't we just continue to do it that way? It's a circular reason. Or my parents did it this way, and my grandparents did it this way, and since they did it that way, I must continue. We've always done it that way. Now, tradition is not always bad. In fact, something becomes a tradition because it worked. But no tradition will last forever. Truth lasts forever, but tradition does not last forever. Traditions eventually wear out. They eventually become obsolete. They eventually become invalid. Even Jesus said this in Mark 7. He said to a group of religious leaders, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Oh, I hope that's not the testimony of Centerpoint Christian Church. See, I, I know a lot of churches like that. A lot of churches like that now are becoming museums because they held on to the traditions of men and they could not let go of their traditions of men. They didn't hold on to this as the firm foundation. I hope and pray that Centerpoint will be always open to changing methodology and how we do things as long as we don't change the foundation upon the Word of God. If we hold on to our traditions, then we'll become a museum like many churches across this country. We'll become something else as they sell their buildings, as churches close their doors in our culture today. We don't want to hold on to tradition. There's a third unreliable foundation, and that is reason. Now, we all need reason, because reason is reasonable. In fact, God gives us the ability to reason, but sometimes you think it is reasonable. It's not actually right. If you have a statement in your life that says, well, I've always thought. Well, what you've always thought may have always been wrong. Your reasoning may be off base. And that's very possible. It really doesn't matter what you've always thought. What really matters is how are you going to handle the circumstance you're in according to the foundation 
of God's Word. See, when I rely on my own intellect, when I've always got to do what I've always thought, what seems real to me, often I end up making mistakes. And sometimes I don't know about those mistakes until I look back and go, man, I could have made a better decision if I would have been more grounded in God's Word. Proverbs 16.25 says, there's a way that seems right to man. In other words, it seems like the right thing to do, but in the end, it leads to death. In the end, it's a dead end. How many times have you ever made a decision and you thought it was reasonable? You look back and go, man, that was a dumb decision. I'm sure we've all had those kind of moments. I mean, I need to marry this person. I need to get involved in this business. I need to accept this job offer. I need to make this kind of investment. What seemed like the right thing was an absolute disaster because your reason isn't always infallible because we make mistakes. And so reason is not a good foundation to build life on. We're not always logical when we think we're being logical. And there's one more unreliable foundation. I think this is probably the most important one to be aware of. That's your emotions. Some people build their lives simply on emotion. They build their lives on a feeling. If it feels right, I want to do it. If it doesn't feel right, then I'm not going to do it. And In other words, what I want to do, I direct totally by my feeling. Is this going to make me feel happy and healthy and make me feel good? I'll go in that direction. But if it's going to make me feel bad and guilty and, and bad, then, I'm not going to go, then I won't go in that direction. There's a problem with that. Feelings lie. Feelings lie to you all the time. You lie to yourself more than you lie to anybody else. You understand that? So, sometimes you believe in life. Man, this thing's just so terrible, so horrible. I feel like this is just horrendous. While along, other people are probably thinking, man, what you're doing is great. Or you get the feeling that, man, I'm doing some really good things. Things are going really good. And the truth is, maybe things are not going so good. Our feelings, they're unreliable. Feelings, feelings uh, manipulate your moods. We let our lives be directed by our feelings. Most of what gets accomplished in the world today is done by people who don't feel like doing what they do. Sometimes you just don't feel like getting out of bed. If I went by my feelings, I'd stay in bed all day today maybe. Go by your feelings. You won't accomplish things. I, I, I watch my daughter's swim team, and I think, boy, there's some kids who are committed to not going about by their feelings. And you have these kids who are swimming and they're becoming, some of them are becoming elite swimmers and some of them are getting up at 4, 4.15 in the morning so that mom and dad can have them to the pool by 4.45 or 5 o'clock to go through a couple hour practice before school and then go after school and do it again. And i got to tell you, as a parent, I don't feel like doing that. We're not down that journey yet to go early in the morning. But to have these kids that swim and swim two-mile practices, I don't think all of they always feel like doing that. But how do you get good at something? How do you accomplish something? You have to overcome your feelings, your emotion. And if you build your life simply on emotions, there's a word for that. It's called immaturity. Immaturity. People who are immature build their lives strictly on their emotions. Maturity and wisdom is when you act according to your values, according to your convictions, and according to what is right, rather than what I feel like doing. And Lord willing, as the church, our convictions and our values are based upon this right here. That's maturity. The Bible tells us in Judges 21, it was a few thousand years ago, at that time there was no king in Israel and people did whatever they felt like doing. And you know what was going on in Judges 21? Everything that did not honor God. Because they were following their feelings. 
Sounds like the year 2015. Sounds like the culture we're in right now. I'll do what I feel like doing. You want to build your life on the Word of God? I don't always agree with it. I don't always like it. It's not always convenient. It's not always politically correct. But if God said it, it's got to be true. So God, I'm going to build my life upon the Bible. That's my final authority. Not Oprah, not Dr. Phil, not my mom, not my dad, not my grandma, not my grandpa, not my great Aunt Susie. God's Word is my final authority. And I say, I'm going to build my life upon God's Word. Number two, you've got to feed on it. You have to feed on the Bible to get strength you need. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is spiritual food. In fact, it uses several pictures of that. The Bible describes itself as water, as the milk, as the bread, as the meat of the spiritual life. And so that everything you're going to need for life, you have to be feeding yourself, and it comes through the Word of God. Just like you need physical food for strength. You've got to have spiritual food for spiritual strength. So you have to be feeding yourself constantly all the time. Here, here's the truth. If you were a construction contractor and you were leading a team of construction workers and you found out that one of your employees or one of the people you're going to hire hasn't eaten in the last three weeks, you're probably not going to go send them out to the job site. Or if you take that even to a, a new level, if you're a military leader in the Army or the Navy or the Marines and you find out that some of your troops haven't been eating for the last month, you're not going to send them out to the battlefield. Because you know they're not nourished in order to deal with their job. The Bible says that we are all building. The Bible says that we are also in spiritual warfare. You're not going to have much success on building your life or, uh, or winning the spiritual battles you face if you're starving yourself to death from God's Word. There won't be success. So we need to be feeding ourselves on God's Word. One of the things I found is unlike regular food, when you start feeding yourself on God's Word, you get more hungrier for it. You start spending time in God's Word and you'll start desiring it more and more and more. Now, you know, there is, uh, that does happen with food in this world, fast food. You eat fatty foods and you desire more fatty foods. You desire unhealthy things. But God's Word, if you desire God's Word and you say, well, I'm not really sure about it, you start reading it just a few minutes every day. A few minutes will grow to five minutes, and five minutes will grow to ten minutes, and ten minutes will grow to fifteen minutes, and you'll then start desiring, you know what? I want to start off with God's Word in the morning. I want to spend some time in the middle of the day in God's Word, and before I go to bed, I want to be in God's Word because you'll get more and more hungry for God's Word to be part of your life. You'll desire it more and more. You've got to feed on it. There's a verse that we looked at a few weeks ago in our growth groups, uh, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you richly. Let it dwell, let it move in you. Let it inhabit you. Let it take up residence you in a rich, profound, life-giving way. And that's what the verse is saying. So how do we dwell? How do we feed ourselves on the word of God to allow that to happen? How do we do that? I think there's a, a few ways we can do that. Number one, receive it with my ears. To hear the Word of God. How do I hear the Word of God? Well, you're doing that right now by being in worship. I encourage you, make this a priority. We're headed into 2016. Make it a priority. Say, I'm going to be in worship. You hear the Word of God. You make it a priority to hear the Word of God. I've said it a couple weeks ago. Use your car as a spiritual training place if you're in your car a lot and turn off the radio and turn off the cd player and put on your iphone or put on your tablet or whatever and let the word of god play in your car when you're preparing for work in the morning in the bathroom why not put on the word of god let you allow it to speak and you just get a chance to hear it 
Maybe you're one of those people that like to work and you like to have the TV on, you like to have the music playing, and you can click along doing work. Well, why not turn off the music and the TV and turn on God's Word and let that just fill your room and let it just kind of be heard and let it filter over your mind. Commit yourself to that. Of course, there's a problem with that. The problem with that is that we forget about 95% of everything we hear. Now, as a preacher, that's discouraging. To know that you guys are going to walk out of here and probably forget 95% of what was taught or what was said. So we've got to have some other ways to get God's Word in our life. One is, I receive it with my ears, too. I read it with my eyes. I read it with my eyes. So, so you hear with your ears, you read with your eyes. Why do you think God gave us this book? To sit down and, and read it. Having a Bible in your house is not going to bless your life. Or you're not, having your Bible in your house is, is not going to bless your heart until you start reading it. You've got to take the time to read God's Word and you read it with your eyes. Now I find that can be weak sometimes too because just as you've heard sometimes you hear something that goes in one ear and out the other, I think sometimes we read stuff and it can come in one eye and out the other eye. Sometimes there's distractions, there's things that keep us distracted. So there's a third way we can feed on the Word of God, and that's to research it with my hands and my mouth. So I, I hear it, I, I let my eyes see it, and then I research it. What does that mean? What I'm talking about is you study the Word of God. And, and what's the difference between reading it devotionally and studying the Word of God is that you use a pen or pencil in your hands as you're studying the Word of God. You're taking notes. You're writing things down. That's why we use a growth guide. That's why we put those on in the chairs and encourage you to take, in, and, and take sermon notes is because I know that as, as I'm preaching, if you're hearing it and you're seeing it and you're seeing it in the Scriptures and you're reading it and you're taking some notes, your, your, your memory and what you take in goes up. And so that's why I want to encourage you to take notes all the time. Studying the Scripture, getting one of those, those Bibles possibly that has study notes in a life application Bible where as you're reading the Word of God, hey, here's some notes where I can kind of read it and I can go a little bit further. I can study it, writing things down. But also, you've got to study it with your mouth, meaning you've got to discuss the Word of God with other believers. That's why growth groups are so important. It's so important that you get together and you get a chance to discuss it. Why is it? Some of us are process learners. We have to speak out loud. We have to process what we're thinking about the other people dialogue. And as we dialogue, it starts to sink in our heart and our mind. We start to get it. There's a fourth way, and that's I can reflect on it with my mind. I don't just read it. Don't just talk about it. But I reflect on it. I spend time meditating on God's Word. There's different ways to meditate and reflect on God's Word, to think about it, to chew on it, just to discuss it, and possibly even discuss it with yourself. Is anyone else here guilty of talking to themselves? few of you guys do. Some of you are just not honest. It's good to talk to yourself about the Word of God. Read the Word of God, and you say, man, God, I just read that. Man, what are you, what are you trying to tell me, God? God? God, what are you trying to tell me about my marriage? God, what are you trying to tell me about being a good dad? And actually talk out loud and discuss with God. That's a form of meditation. Thinking deeply and wrestling with that. Talk to yourself. That's a way to reflect on it. To think it over and over and over throughout the day. Sometimes it's good just to have that verse, like the memory verse that we put in our bowl, and you can tear that off. And every day to have that before you, you can just meditate on it. You can think on it. God, what does that word mean? God, what does that verse mean? God, how do I apply that to my life? And there's a fifth way. I remember it with my heart. There's a difference between remembering with your mind and with your heart. I'm talking about memorizing Scripture. That memorizing Scripture is so important. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute. But, but I want to show you a picture first. Um, picture this as uh, this glass of water as your soul. 
Picture this glass of water as your soul. And I want to show you a picture of what it looks like to put a word of Christ in you and let it dwell in, in you richly and how you can receive the word of God. You picture that as your soul. And if you picture these tea bags here that I have, picture these as the word of God. This is the word of God. The glass of water is your soul. And what do we do with this word of God? If you take this Word of God right here that's in my hand as an illustration, and if you just dip this in like one time and you say, well, I'm going to get those wet, and I'm just going to kind of pull those out, has anything really happened? Absolutely nothing's really happened. And sometimes this is what we do with God's Word. We say, well, I'm just going to kind of go and I'm going to maybe read it just real quickly and then move on. I popped into church and I popped out. And again, it's just very short-lived. You see anything happening? I kind of quickly scan the Word of God as I scan the Word of God. Uh, you know, it, it starts to maybe do a little bit of infiltration into my life. But really, I just kind of do it here. I scan it there, five minutes here, five minutes there. Maybe I hear a sermon every now and then. I make sure I get to church. Oh, I was there, one, you know, three weeks ago. Let me make sure I go again. It's been a while. And so just little by little, some things will start to happen. The idea, though, is if you want to dwell in it richly, you take the Word of God and you say, Word of God, I want you to enter into my soul and I want you to sit there and I just want it to soak. And I want the Word of God to soak in my life. And you know what's going to happen. The longer this soaks, that water is going to start to change color. That water is going to start to take on a different flavor. That water is going to start to take on a different aroma. Before long, we'll have a glass of tea if we're willing to memorize it and live on it and let it dwell in us and again and again and again. So we got to remember with my heart. We'll come back to that in a moment. Number three, live by God's Word. The Word of God is not only food for your soul, the Word of God is a standard for living. The standard for living. It is the Word of God that sets a standard by which we judge everything else, judge our, our value in life. It's a standard by which we make our decisions for the things that we're facing in life. It, you've got to build your life on something. You've got to base your decisions on something. It comes when we allow the Word of God to become the standard by which we live. Now live on the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 1, blessed is the one, and the one means the man or the woman. Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but who meditates on the Word of God. There will be blessing. What does it mean? It means if you want your life to be blessed, you build your life upon the Word of God. And not what the world thinks. You, you meditate on it. You build your life around it. The counsel of the ungodly, that's the stuff that we hear every day. That's the stuff that's on television. That's the stuff that's in movies and print media. That's the stuff that goes all around the world. It's the values of the world. And the Bible says if you want your life to be blessed, you don't build your life. You, you, you live your life on that kind of counsel, but you build your life, you feed your life on the Word of God. The Word of God will give you hope in a crisis. The, the Word of God will give you comfort when you're in despair. The, the Word of God will give you strength when you are weak. The Word of God will give you wisdom when you're confused. The Word of God will give you guidance when you need direction. The Word of God will give you strength to resist and to fight against temptation. And Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in your heart, in my heart, that I may not sin against you. So here's the reason to hide the word in your heart. So that you stand in a righteous way, so you don't... So you don't sin against God. Take him heart. Remember Matthew 4? Jesus was tempted. He had spent 40 days fasting. Satan leads him out and, and says, here you can have all this world, or here turn this, here, turn this uh, rock into a bread. And, and what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't put his fist up and fight Satan. Jesus quoted Scripture. And as Jesus quoted Scripture, he said, it is written. 
And every single time Satan came at Jesus, Jesus said, it is written, and we need to have the Word of God in us. We need to have it memorized so that when Satan comes at us, we can say, no, 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 back up, it is written. Here's what God's Word says. See, the challenge is, is we don't have our Bible with us all the time. And Satan is not going to sit around and go, okay, now they're in their Bible, now they're in their Bible, now let me bring this to them. No, he's going to try to trick us whenever we're least expecting it. He's going to try to trick us in that improper relationship at work with someone of the opposite sex who's not your spouse. How you can handle that? If the Word of God is in you, God's Word will come up and, and guide you to stay away from that temptation. How, how are you going to handle it when you're on a computer and you're tempted to go to websites that are not proper and websites that don't honor God? If the Word of God is in you, know, He can bring that up and the Word of God can be brought up and Scripture come up in your mind. You're tempted to use language that's not appropriate. If you memorize Scripture that deals with that, you have an anger problem. You memorize Scripture that deals with that. When you're struggling with those things, you're usually not going to stop and say, now let me open my Bible and find out what God's Word says about this right now. Or usually you're not going to open up an app. That has to be inside of you so the Holy Spirit can use that and bring it up to you and you go, oh, yeah, that word's in me. Let's live in a way that honors God and is a way that is holy. Also, what about when a friend comes? What about when a friend comes to you and says, hey, I'm having this issue or I'm having this problem or I need your help or I need your guidance? Should our guidance be, well, here's what I think or here's what I feel or here's what I believe or should our guidance be, I know the word of God says this. I know God's word directs me in this way, which would maybe help you in the situation you're in. You may be with a friend and you don't have your phone with you that has your Bible app. You don't have your Bible with you. And so if the word is in you and you've memorized it, you can guide them and maybe guide them enough at least to say, hey, can we talk further? I want to get my Bible so we can dive in deeper. The word of God. It's got to be part of your life. got to dwell in it richly. Now, I want to bring you back to this picture of this tea for a moment one more time. You see what's happened just in a couple minutes? The color has changed, right? If I were to hand this to you right now, would you say thank you for that glass of water? Or would you say thank you for that glass of tea? You would say thank you for that glass of tea. The identity has changed. It has absorbed the color. It has absorbed the flavor. It has absorbed the aroma. The only thing that's missing is some ice and some sugar. Right? It needs a little bit of that in there. But this has changed. Something has changed. It's taken on a whole new identity. Now, remember this is your soul. The water represented your soul. This is the Word of God. The tea represents the Word of God. As you allow it to dwell in you richly, your identity will change. As you allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly, your character will change. As you allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly, you will be made into a new person, a new creation in Christ. Without the Word of God, this will never happen. This would just be an empty, blank soul like a clear glass of water. What are you letting dwell in your mind, in your heart, in your soul? Something will happen to you when you allow that to happen. To become a woman of God or to become a, a man of God of the Word, you've got to first make the Bible your foundation to build upon. You've got to make the Bible your, your food. You've got, to, you've got to eat it. Then the third metaphor is you make your lifestyle by which you're going to live. You make it your standard by which you live. And the fourth thing is you need the seed to grow. You need a seed to grow. I grow through it. The Bible is often referred to as a seed. It is planted in your heart. When the truth is planted in your heart, it finds good soil 
and it grows and produces fruit. Or it's going to find bad soil, and it's never going to grow and take any root. If you have no root, you'll have no fruit. And we know that. We know when we look at a beautiful tree or a plant, and if it's, it's blooming with flowers, or it has lush green leaves, or it has beautiful peaches coming off of it, you know the soil is probably healthy just right, and the roots are being fed just right, and it has a deep root system. Psalm 119 says, Open my eyes that I may see what? Wonderful things in your law. There are a lot of wonderful things in the Bible, but you can't see them unless God opened your eyes. That means you've got to be receptive. I've got to be open to the Word of God. So if I want to be a good, if I'm going to be a man or woman of the Word, I've got to be open to it. That means, as I said earlier, even when I don't like it, even when it's not popular, even when I don't want to, to have that prayer, God, I want to be open to it. Jesus told a story about this, a parable. You find the parable in Luke 8, it's called the parable of soil. He says a farmer went out, and a farmer went out, and he started to sow seed, and the seed fell among the path. And there's four different kinds of areas where the seed falls. And the four different kinds of areas, I think, represents our attitude towards the Word of God. One seed fell on hardened soil. Fell on hardened soil. The hardened soil represents closed mind. And you know if you put seed on a hardened soil, it's not going to grow. And the hardened soil represents the closed mind. Sometimes we don't even give God a chance to talk to us. Our minds are made up. Our hearts are hardened. We're like, I don't care what God's Word says. Matter of fact, you, one way to know if your heart, your, your heart is hardened to God's Word is you're sitting in church right now and you're going, man, I wish he'd hurry up and get done. I'm ready to move on. I want to really hear from the Word of God. I'm, I'm in a hurry. There's a football game later. I've got to be able to get to lunch. I've got to get to this. Are we really open to the Word of God? We're not willing to listen. If we have an attitude that says, God, I don't really want to hear what you have to say about my boyfriend. God, I really don't want to hear what you have to say about my girlfriend. God, I don't want to hear what you have to say about my relationships. God, I don't want to hear what you have to say about my debt. I don't want to hear what you have to say about my sex life. I don't want to hear, God, what you have to say because, God, I already got my mind made up. That's a hardened path. That's where the seed is not being received. The answer to that closed mind and a narrow footpath, a narrow heart of mind, the answer to that is to cultivate an open mind. And sometimes you just have to bang your head up against life long enough before you start going, I can't do it my way, God, I need to do it your way. How do you cultivate an open mind? You pray the prayer of Psalm 119.18 that says, Lord, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. And you may have to pray that every single day, several times a day. God, I know my heart is hard. Open my eyes so that I can see. You know, cultivate an open mind. Secondly, Jesus said the kind of soil the farmer throws on the seed is shallow soil. It represents a superficial mind. Sometimes we react superficially to the Bible. We go to church and say, oh, that was a good sermon, and you go home and you forget about it. Or you go to a Bible study, man, that was a very good Bible study. We had some really good discussion. We got some good stuff, and you go home and you forget about it. You don't really apply it. We get excited emotionally. Maybe we move impulsively, impulsively, but we don't really let it take time to sink in. And because it doesn't really sink in, it doesn't really penetrate the bedrock of our personality. It's just some good stuff that we hang around Sometimes with the action step is superficial. This is that I must take time for God's Word. So you don't want to be a superficial man or a superficial woman. You, you, you want to have depth in your life. I want to have depth in my life. How do I get that? I must make time for God's Word. If I just do a little quick glance at it, I just kind of glance at God's Word and move on. I don't gaze at it. I don't really give it any time. Then I can't build any roots. It's just going to kind of quickly hit and move on. Roots take time to develop. 
It takes time to develop a good garden. And it takes time to develop a good garden of your heart. Busyness is a major barrier that keeps the man or woman of God from being in His Word. There's a third soil. It's a soil with weeds. The soil of weeds represents the preoccupied mind. In other words, the seed of God gives truth, plants it in my mind, in my heart, and I go, yeah, that's okay, yeah, I get it. I want to start growing now. I want to, I want to walk with God. But then I let other things in life choke it out. And maybe you've gone through moments of that, like, yeah, I'm just really growing right now, and then things in life start to choke it out. You get busy at work. You get busy here. You get busy there, and things start to choke it out. And that, that, um, that busyness starts to preoccupy your mind that then chokes out that seed. There's an action step to that. Is that I must eliminate some distractions. I must eliminate some distractions. The soil with seeds is a preoccupied mind. The way to deal with that is you eliminate distractions. I, honestly, I am convinced after 20 plus years in ministry, say the big sin of Christians is not drug addictions, it's not immorality, it's not some evil, wicked, mean, bad, nasty thing. I'll tell you the big sin of Christians that's killing us right now busyness busyness is choking out our life with god and you've heard me say it before busy stands for being under satan's yoke and satan loves to keep us busy and sometimes he keeps us busy doing a whole lot of good things but a whole lot of good things can drive to bad things in your spiritual walk with god how busy are you today Something that I've been wrestling with personally is trying to carve out some things and say no to some things and not be so busy. We need time to slow down because when we're busy, we rush right on by God's Word. We don't take time with God's Word. I'd encourage you to evaluate that because a lot of us, I think, are probably more like the third soil where, hey, we allow God's Word in, it gets choked out. We allow it in, it gets choked out. We allow it in, it gets choked out. There's a fourth seed. Fourth seed deals with the kind of soil that's a willing mind. That's the soil where the seed of truth gets planted in your brain. You look forward to the next Bible study. You can't wait for church on Sunday. You're going to be at a growth group. You're going to try to create a growth group. You want to study God's Word, engage in God's Word. You're letting it into your life constantly. You're saying, I'm teachable. I'm humble. God, you just direct me and you lead me. The action step with that is you continue to cooperate with God. So when we stop cooperating with God, then things can come to an end. And so I would encourage you, if you are in that spot of life right now, keep cooperating with God so that your hunger will stay alive and your, and your desire to be in His Word will stay active. If I want to be a woman of the Word, I want to be a man of the Word, I've got to build my life on it, I've got to feed on it, I've got to live by it, I've got to grow through it. Look at this glass again. Whose identity do you want? Do you want the identity that comes from this world? You know the identity that we're taught every single day, we're bombarded with with media? Or do you want the identity that says, I want my life to be changed by the Word of God? Would you repeat with me one last time one of the key verses of this series? If you get nothing out of this series, get this verse and put it in practice. Do not merely listen to the Word. You guys with me? Repeat after me. Do not merely listen to the Word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 1.22 Heavenly Father, God, I pray that just because we're kind of ending this series of teaching, Lord, I pray that we don't mean, we don't let it become an end of our involvement in Your Word. 
God, we want your word to be alive. We want it to be active. We want it to be sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, we want your word to be our foundation, to be our rock. Lord, instill that in us. Give us hunger for your scripture. Give us hunger for your word. Lord, help us to be the, the seed that falls on Help our hearts to, to be the, the soil where good seed will fall and it will take root and it will de- develop deep roots and that the fruit of, of Christ will, will dwell in us and through us. Father, remove distractions from your word. Remove bad attitudes that we have towards your word. And Lord, allow your word to direct us in all areas of our life. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.